Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 407. My name is Adam Patterson with me today. got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. How's it going? Yeah, you know, it's all right. Did you get your second? You got your second shot, right? Oh, man. Yeah, I did. Did it? What was nothing. the situation with that? You, you were okay? Nothing. That was last no, weekend, right? Yes. No yeah. side effects whatsoever. That's good. That's good. Good to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be reviewing The Mitchells versus The Machines, which is available on Netflix right now. We'll also be going over what we've been watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Got nothing nothing as far as housekeeping, so I think we can just hop, hop right on in to The Mitchells Straight versus The Machines. This is directed by Michael Rionda and Jeff Rowe. I have a synopsis here. A quirky dysfunctional family's road trip is upended when the when they find themselves in the middle of a robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unlikeliest last hope. Now this is a Sony Pictures animation. So it's the same studio that brought us Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And it is produced by Lord and Miller. So you should have a good idea of kind of what to expect comedy wise and animation wise there. Mike, Mike Rianda and Jeff Rowe are two of the creative forces behind the show. Gravity falls, which was uh, an excellent show by the way. So that should also give you an idea of what to expect. Pretty robust voice cast here. We have Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, Fred Armisen, Beck Bennett, Chrissy Teigen, John legend, Charlene Yee, I have a written review for this up on the site. Uh, so we'll start with you, Kevin. What were your initial impressions of the Mitchells versus the Machines? Uh, I love the animation style. Absolutely adored it. Just the the, the look, the entire look of it. Like the, the even like just the character design. You know the way that the characters looked was to me it was it was it was different enough. It was unique enough. It wasn't you know like you know kind of nowadays it seems like. A lot of animation is, you know, within like two or three camps, really. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. And actually, in my review, I mentioned that I found the animation style to be refreshing compared to what we're used to with just standard Pixar stuff. It looks different. Yeah. And I, like, I don't understand why, like, this, the somehow, I don't know if it was like Toy Story that really kind of cemented that you know, just standard CG look or whatever, whatever the case may be, where all of a sudden it's like every movie just looks the same. Like no matter where it comes from, whether it's like a DreamWorks or even a smaller indie studio or something, it's like all CG animated movies have the exact same look to them. Obviously there's exceptions, but for the most part, they all just look the same. And so when a movie like this comes out, goes for something a different a different style i definitely take notice yeah and i i also appreciated the even though it's an animated movie how they still kind of like incorporate like the like the embellishments i'll say like the endorments that they put on it mm-hmm. People, you know with like the stickers and yeah, yeah. filters and that kind of thing you know because we are dealing with you know technology here and smartphones so i did appreciate that interestingly enough like the majority of this movie I didn't find that uh, humorous. I didn't find it that funny. And it's not a knock against the movie because I still like enjoyed my time. 
like I was, I was just having a good time watching it, but it wasn't to me, wasn't like laugh out loud funny until the end, which normally with comedies, it's usually the inverse of that where, you know, you get your jokes a mile a minute at the beginning, you know, like halfway into the movie. And then, you know, we've talked about this numerous times where that kind of takes a back seat to them trying to tell the story and, you know, to, people got to learn lessons and stuff. And the comedy just kind of dips out. This one, it was like, there is some funny, funny stuff here and there. It chuckles. But to me, the, the ending was really the strong point comedy wise. That's interesting. I, I thought that they did a good job of keeping it sort of at an even keel throughout. I didn't think that the comedy was too front loaded. I, I actually liked all of the stuff with the family more than the action stuff. Like, I, I could have just had this be a movie where it's about the Mitchell family going on a road trip. Like, I don't need any of the robots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just enjoyed yeah. spending time with this family and the dog. I think the, the only thing that I would have I missed is two of the things that I thought were the funniest is them not being able to decipher the dog. <laughs> which i just thought was i don't know why it's just so funny to me and uh uh, raya uh, yeah raya my rudolph's uh linda mitchell just going absolutely (laughs) insane when she goes berserk (laughs) so i i enjoyed that too i thought that that was a a really funny scene how they went went with like the kill bill like the kill bill uh homage there (laughs) yeah because he gets fucked up there for a while (laughs) like she loses it. Yep, yep, she does. So, you, what you have here is this. It's at its core. It, it's really kind of a story about family and and keeping that connection and and accepting our family members for their eccentricities and all of that stuff. And and you really have this sort of at, at the center of this. It's about the relationship between Abby Jacobson's character as as Katie and. Danny McBride's character as as Rick, the dad, and how like when she was younger, they had this really strong bond, but as she got older, it you know weakened or at least seemed like it was weakened and and their interests became further apart, and she got all into like filmmaking and stuff, and he just didn't understand that world and didn't seem like he was really wanting to understand it and the the two just sort of grew apart, and it's just about you know, reestablishing that bond and like sort of remembering that our family is going to be, be there for us and all of that stuff. And I thought it was a really sweet story. Uh, I, I thought that a lot of it was really funny. I loved all the stuff with the dog, <laughs> like everything, oh, yeah. everything with Monchi I thought was incredible. Um, but I always have like a soft spot for dog humor. So I'm certainly like biased with that, but I, I, I liked all that stuff. I really liked this movie overall. I thought it was really solid. I thought that there were there were some dips for me, but for the most part, it, it kept me engaged. Again, I'll just reiterate that like anytime that they would cut away from the family to the robot stuff, I would just be like, oh, I don't really, yeah. I just don't care about yeah. any of this stuff. And I understand that like, yeah, like I partially understand the need for it to, to help you know, push the narrative and help us understand like what, what their goal is, what the robots end goal is and and all of that stuff. And I thought a lot of it looked cool, 
I liked the, sort of the neon, like, synthwave almost look to all the robot stuff. And I also liked sort of the juxtaposition between, like, the Mitchell family, which was, like, felt very, like, traditional and, like, low-tech compared to what we saw with, like, the robots where everything was, like, yeah. neon and shit. I liked, so I liked, I liked it aesthetically, but just story-wise, I just wanted to get back to the Mitchells whenever we would leave them. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I do, I also appreciated the, how um, kind of streamlined the story is. I like that, you know, the, the robots are introduced and just immediately, like, there's no... <laughs> Yeah. There's no like build up to it or you know something goes wrong. It's just immediate. As soon as they're introduced, yeah. they take over. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, just get to it. Yeah, they're not screwing around. <laughs> Which is interesting because as far as like animated movies go, this is longer. This is almost two hours long. Which is longer than your typical animated movie. But I, I didn't I wasn't bothered by the length. I didn't feel like it was too long. I didn't feel like the that they needed to trim any of the any of it down it it all felt you know paced really well and i think that that just goes back to what you were saying about the the level of comedy just remaining at an even keel even during the moments of like bigger action especially towards the end when things started to crescendo yeah i just think they so I, I just think they did a wonderful job it's a very cute movie yeah no it is it, it's 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 a fun movie. It's a fun movie. I mean, and even like I said, like I wasn't laughing out loud and you know like losing my shit for the duration, but like I was just I was having fun. I was just I was happy. I had a smile on my face. I was I felt like I was in good company and I was just enjoying myself. Yeah. Same here. Um I think I I did laugh quite a lot. Uh in this, I thought that a lot of the stuff at the towards the beginning was funny. I love the, I love the mo- when they go, first go on the trip and the the montage of her uh, tricking the dad into kissing the dog over and over again. There were just <coughs> there were just lots of little little things that I that I really enjoyed. Of course, yeah, you know, with- again, yeah, it, it, to me, it's the same thing. It's just you know, like the like a little chuckle. Like I I enjoyed I enjoyed the Aaron kid. And how he was so into dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I love that little bit of him at the beginning that tells you all you need to know is him calling every single person in the phone book <laughs> and be like, would you like to talk to me about dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that character voiced by Michael Rianda. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, that, that drove me crazy. Like the entire movie. I was like, who does Aaron's voice? Oh, yeah, I, I was trying to figure that out too. Yeah, I never would have guessed Michael Rianda because I don't know who the hell that is. Yeah, all the all the other ones are fairly obvious, I think. I liked I liked Fred Armisen and Beck Bennett as the as the robots, Eric and Deborah. <laughs> I thought that they were they were really funny. Especially Beck Bennett. I think the Beck Bennett in, in that type of character, I think he's really good. I, I like Beck yeah. Bennett and everything though. I like that they cast Chrissy Teigen and John Legend as like the perfect neighbors, like the perfect family that that the Mitchells are striving to to be, or at least uh, Maya Rudolph, who plays the mom, Linda. Thought that was that was some funny, some funny casting. But overall, I thought I had a really good time with it. I think it's it's 
really good. I, I feel like it's been a long time since I saw like a really great um like family comedy yeah. and especially like an, an animated one. Like I didn't see any good animated comedies last year, like done. So this was this this was like a real treat for me. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. definitely my kind of humor too. Like it is it is a t- the type of movie that I think kids can enjoy, but I think adults can take a lot away from it as well, especially especially adults who have like kids who are getting older and and getting ready to go off to college and stuff like that. I imagine that 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 there would be something very resonant with that crowd and um I just like the Lord and Miller style of humor, and I think that this movie has that in spades so I just remember. <laughs> I just remembered uh, Danny McBride's Rick Mitchell character using the computer twice at the end. <laughs> <It's> just, <Yeah. laughs> Especially that last one where it turns into like a horror movie. Yeah, he says like, "It took me twenty eight minutes and a lot of tears, but I got it done." Uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really, really great little one-liners and things like that in here that were that were really funny. Also, props to them for just casually having a gay character, a gay main character, without even making a thing of it. Yeah, making a big deal. I didn't even, you know, I, I was going to write about that in my review, but I decided, you know what, I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to acknowledge it because I think that it's it's something that doesn't need to be acknowledged anymore. Yeah. And I know that I'm doing it right now, but yeah. <laughs> I'm totally contradicting like, myself. But it does seem like we're we're getting we're we're moving in that direction. Yeah, I, I think it's great that it's like this. This movie takes, I think, a step forward in normalizing that, where it's not like whoa, you know, like it's not. It's just nothing. It's it's just a natural thing and and uh i really liked how they did that so kudos to them the mitchells versus the machines it's on netflix definitely check it out let's go ahead and give it a score i think i gave it an eight out of ten in my review Ooh, i think yeah i'm close to that i'm like a seven and a half there you go check it out if for no other reason manchi the pug who can't Make his eyes go straight, which I loved that scene, by the way, where she was trying to get him to, to make his eyes go straight. He was really <laughs> struggling. Mm. Goddamn dog. Love it. Love the dog. All right. Let's uh, talk about some of what we've been watching. I think it's my turn this week. It hit me. Uh, I saw Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. This is on Amazon Prime. This is directed by Stefano Salima. This is. Uh, it's the guy who did the Sicario 2 movie, which I didn't see. I know you saw that, if I remember correctly. Yes, I did. I saw it in the theaters. Nice. This movie's boring. <laughs> I saw it Friday, and I forgot almost everything about it already. Nice. It's just a super generic political thriller, just like what you might expect from a Tom Clancy movie but there's just nothing about it that is like even remotely memorable like michael Beaton jordan is he's a good he's a good actor i like him a lot and i think that he has what it takes to be an action star 
Um, but he just didn't have a whole lot to work with here. I mean, at the end of the day, what you have here is a very typical sort of by the numbers revenge thriller that just takes place in, you know, in the world of the CIA and special forces and all that stuff. Michael B. Jordan plays this like Navy SEAL who carries out this mission and kills, kills someone. And in retaliation, this group comes back, comes to the U S and starts killing off everybody in his team and their families. So Damn. Yeah. So what ends up happening is that, that Michael B. Jordan's character gets shot and his wife and unborn child get murdered. Wow. And he, as the title suggests, uh, turns into this remorseless killer and, uh, you know, f- fucks a lot of people up in, uh, as, as he's going out to get revenge. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple notable scenes in it. There's this one, like, really crazy scene when he goes after this guy and like catches the guy's car on fire and stuff. And that's a really great scene. There's another really great scene where he gets after he gets arrested for doing that. He takes on a bunch of people in prison, which is cool. Other than that, it's a uh, very, very generic and uh, not, not very good, unfortunately. So mm. I can't, I can't really recommend it. Uh, Jamie Bell is in it too. He plays sort of, sort of the antagonist in a way like he's this this like cia guy who seems like he knows more than what he's leading on and he might be a bad guy but whatever it's um yeah it's just not very good so i can't recommend without remorse Mm. well i have a movie that i can recommend Uh oh yeah and that's marlene gorse's a question of silence from 1982 Mm. This is, uh, if you know the the, the feminist film journal, uh, Another Gaze, they have started like their own streaming service, but it's not really like a streaming service like you, you know you expect like Arrow or something along those lines. They just do like really distinct like film programs. So they might do like five short films all around you know like one theme and it's available for like a week or two weeks something along those lines but they also uh pack it up with tons of translations subtitles translations you got tons of essays all sorts of stuff all in this like program so they put out this movie a question of silence uh from 1982 this is absolutely phenomenal it is you're introduced to three women that don't know each other, never met each other, except for one day where they're shopping at this like little boutique. And the one woman is caught shoplifting by the, the guy that like runs the place. And then these three women kind of gang up and beat the shit out of them and kill them. And there's some other people there, other women there that are watching. And they don't say anything. They don't do anything. They don't intervene. And they don't go to the police. They... It's as if they were never there. So you're introduced to these three women in the beginning of the movie is they're all three getting picked up by the police for the crime that they committed. And the whole, the whole gist of it really is another woman comes in as a psychiatrist and it's her job to essentially interview the three women and decide if they are competent enough to stand trial 
or, you know, are they insane? So the movie cuts back and forth between her doing the interviews and the, the actual crime itself happening. And just the way that this thing is done is it's pretty damn good. And I've never heard of this movie, never heard of this director, but wow, this thing is, this thing is something else. It look it, lo- it looks really good. Might have to it's, check this oh, out. It's so good. It's so good. It is so good. All right. Well, in what may be the exact opposite of uh, pro feminist <laughs> uh, oh, <boy>. film, <laughs> uh, I so I started watching the female prisoner series. I guess okay. you could look at it as a pro feminist film in a, in, a, in a way. I think that some people look at it as a pro feminist film series, but at any rate. You start with uh, Female Prisoner 701 Scorpion. This is directed by Shunya Ito. Came out in 1972. It is sort of on the surface, you see it as this sort of exploitation. It's a women in prison film. You know, these were popular in the 70s. And the difference here is that they're, it's so artfully shot. And there's so many very artistic sequences in this that it definitely elevates this series above what you might expect from a typical women in prison film it's uh so at its core it's about this woman who is she she starts dating a cop and the cop convinces her he's he's like a narcotics officer and he convinces her to help him on a sting operation where she she has to go undercover into this like yakuza club and try to get them to like sell her drugs or something but they end up i guess f- figuring out that she's working with the cops like immediately like as soon as she walks in and they sexually assault her and then the cops come in and th- they bust them all for drugs and for rape and it turns out that the the cop was just using her to to get that extra rape charge added on because he knew that they were going to do that so he completely set her up and she she loses it tries to kill him and then ends up in prison she doesn't succeed uh while she's in prison things get very bad for her because she knows that they set her up and she, she didn't she didn't like give them up or anything so they decide these crooked cops decide that she needs to she needs to go so they end up hiring uh this this other woman in the prison to kill her so there's all these people like going after her and then she escapes and then gets caught and thrown back in and all of the other women get punished so like basically everybody's out to get her and she just perseveres through through it all. And in the same year, you had the sequel come out, which was called Female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse 41, which continues the series. It's the same uh, same director, same, same cast, uh, and it kind of just continues on from there. And then the third one in the series is called Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Stable. And... This one, which is 
the end of the initial trilogy. The series continues on after that, but this is like the the main trilogy with this the same director Shunya Ito and Maiko Kaji as uh, the main character. You may know her from the Lady Snowblood movies. She's great. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one is even crazier. And the, and the thing is, like, you see these movies, you see the first one, you're like, wow, that was not what I expected. And then you see, and then when you go to watch the second one, you're like, oh, there's no way that it can, like, be on the same level as the first one. The first one was just su- such a far departure from what we'd expect from a low-budget exploitation film. And then the second one is even more, like, art house. And it has all these, like, weird, like, surreal elements to it where there's like these like dream sequences and and all kinds of really weird imagery and like crazy camera angles and like experimental cinematography and stuff and then by the time the third one rolls around you're like surely surely they're not gonna get even wilder in the the third one and they do it's it's just such a fascinating series because it's just not at all what i expected i think that you would actually really like this series i mean to be clear there there are like the exploitation elements are there like they're always looking for a reason to like rip 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 a woman's shirt at right at the boob so like one of her boobs pops out there's like always a scene where there's like one boob that's (laughs) that's exposed and and there's a lot of awful stuff to be clear too there's like a lot of really really grim subject matter in these movies i mean because they were released in the early 70s it's not like super graphic or anything but it's still pretty rough and um so so there are those elements to be clear but the way that they're presented and a lot of like as i said the cinematography and and the some of the the crazy sequences like the one it uh like some some of the scenes are like set on like a sound stage where you have like these revolving sets and stuff and there's this like oh, yeah theater quality to it it's so wild nice. man like it is not anything like what you would expect at all so at any rate i can definitely recommend at least the first 3 uh female prisoner scorpion movies they are all on shutter i'm sorry yes they are all on shutter and uh, there's more than that on Shutter too. I, I I don't know. There's like four or five of them on Shutter. So definitely recommend that series. Uh, I watched Black Bear, Lawrence Michael Levine, Black Bear with Audrey Plaza. I was interested in this. And yeah. Um. So in a lot of ways, it just feels like him kind of redoing his wife's movie green, but also making it a, you know, a movie about making movies. And it is once again, although he's not in it. Right. But we've talked about this before. Uh, pretty much any movie that involved that he directed or his wife has directed for some reason, like a main component of it is him and two women fighting over him just like hysterical fighting over him like he's just the greatest thing on earth and here you know the the Lawrence Michael Levine stand-in is played by Christopher Abbott and that's what it is it's Aubrey Plaza and Sarah Gadon just fighting over him even though he has like nothing to offer and it's really annoying and it's one of those things now that after watching Black Bear I'm just like you know what I think 
all of those movies that I was, you know, somewhat positive on, whether it be Wild Canaries, Green, what's the other one? Gabby on the Roof in July or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Gabby on the Roof in July. Yeah. Like, I was pretty much, you know, pretty uh, positive on all, all those movies. And this Black Bear is just soured everything. And I'm just like, it's all the same movie. You just make the same movie all the time. What the fuck is wrong with you? I don't, mm. they're, they're like, and I know movies aren't representative of their life in a lot of ways, but it seems like there's something there. And it's just weird. And I don't like it anymore. Well, isn't this one like even more directly about making movies too? Isn't like Aubrey Plaza yeah. and she's like an actor or a filmmaker or well, something? It's weird because it's cut up in two parts. The first part is Aubrey Plaza plays a director. She goes to this Airbnb that Christopher Abbott and Sarah Gadden are are running, like in the in the this like remote place out in the Adirondacks. Uh, and she's there to write a movie, and she's kind of like fucking with them, and just completely fucks up their relationship. And then it cuts, and the second part starts. Aubrey Plaza is now playing in a movie pretty much based off of the first part. Christopher Abbott is the director. Those two are married and Sarah Gadon is the, the other lead. And Christopher Abbott is manipulating his wife played by Aubrey Plaza to get, you know, quote unquote, a good performance. So it plays into that kind of aspect too, of like the shitty director manipulating people and treating them poorly to get like, great performances out of them and but like in both aspects and a lot of the other movies that he's directed or so it's a cause directed is two women hysterically fighting over him essentially and it's just at this point you know like six movies deep it's like okay this is stupid (laughs) like there's not another word for it it's just dumb i don't want a part of it yeah, come up with something else, for Christ's sake. Hmm. Uh, I still like Wild Canaries. I like that, but even that's just a ripoff of Woody Allen. I oh, mean, he completely well, ripped yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, we even talked about that back when that came out, and then, and then he's got to inject that too. Whereas, like, two women fighting over him in that movie, yeah, it's just like that's weird. It seemed unnecessary. All right, well, that's Black Bear. I'm kind of glad I didn't bother with it then. Uh, I saw Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. This is an animated film directed by Ethan Spaulding. Came out last year. Uh, I don't know. For whatever reason, I wasn't really interested in it when it came out, but with the new Mortal Kombat movie coming out, I've been kind of, I don't know, interested in, in the Mortal Kombat series. I've been playing through Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate recently as well. I had the original one back when it came out a couple years ago, but I didn't buy any of the uh, like add-on shit. But since the uh, Ultimate version came out and it was on sale, I, I picked it up and I've been playing it, playing through that. It's been really fun. And uh, I saw that this was on HBO Max, so I decided to give it a look. And it's really good. It's a, This is a solid animated film. The animation style is... Uh, it's good. I mean, it's it's kind of like what you would expect from your typical kind of superhero movies. It's almost like that Batman the Animated Series style of animation a little bit, or at least inspired by that. Feels, 
I don't know. If, if you've seen Invi- Invincible on Amazon Prime, it's kind of like that style as well. Uh, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's it's fine. Nothing incredible about it. One thing that uh, I will note that is that it is extremely gory. Uh, definitely lives up to the Mortal Kombat name. Lots of uh, fatalities and brutalities in this, and like they do the same thing that they that in the movie that they do in the in the games now, where it does like the X-ray thing where it zooms in, you can see inside the person's body and exactly what's happening to that person's body as they're getting destroyed by their opponent. <laughs> and the plot of this is basically the same as the movie, the the, the new movie that came out. It's almost the exact same. So it, it follows the, the first tournament with uh, this cast of characters that we know, like Liu Kang and Sonya Blade and all of those, those characters. And it's called Scorpion's Revenge, but it's really just kind of follows that tournament. Um, it, there's a little bit more of a focus on the Scorpion character. And they do the same thing that they do in the live action movie, where they open with you know, Scorpion before he's Scorpion when he's living in the village and then the death of his family and all of that stuff. It, it's weird. Um, it's weird how close this is to the live action movie, actually, uh, as far as like structure and everything. But it's better. I mean, this is I think that this is better than the live action movie, actually. Yeah. They, they 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 do things right in this where they actually show you the tournament and the fight scenes are just one-on-one fight scenes. So yeah, it's, it's cool. I would, I would recommend it. Johnny Cage is in this too. That's a, that's another difference between this and the live action one. And Joel McHale is uh, the voice of Johnny Cage, which works out pretty nicely. I don't know. I don't know who decided to cast Joel McHale as Johnny Cage, but it definitely works. I only watched one other thing, but I will like everyone to take note that, I watched three other movies outside of the main discussion movie. That might be my most in months. Man, killing it. Killing <laughs> it this week. On fire. On fire. That's mostly because I took an extra day off. So that helped. Uh, the, the, the other movie that I watched is also available on Netflix right now. And that's Terry Samundra's Kali Kuhi. I'm pretty sure that's completely wrong. Uh, This is an Indian horror movie. Uh, More so like a ghost movie. It's not real big on the horror aspects, but it is kind of creepy and unsettling. Uh, The main thing about this movie, though, is it is beautiful. Mm. God damn. The setting, the lighting. There's always, like, fog in this little remote village, just fog everywhere, just rolling through on the ground, just in every shot, pretty much. And it's just incredible. It looks so gorgeous. Um, so it's this like remote uh, Punjab village. This guy goes with his wife and his daughter. His, his mother is sick, so he's going to take care of her. Uh, but the problem is, is this little village is kind of being haunted by this restless spirit because this village has a history of female infanticide where they selectively killed all the, you know, the female babies. So this is one of them from the well and she is 
she's causing some ruckus. She's making things very difficult. So it ends up coming down to the guy's daughter, uh, Shivangi, who it's her job essentially to like kind of kind of rid the curse from the village. And this again, A, like I said, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. If you're looking for like a traditional horror movie, I think you're gonna be sorely disappointed because it's not there's not like a lot of like big scares to it. It's just more of like an atmospheric type thing. But I will say that like towards the end, it does get it got a little bit surprising because it started getting started getting a little bit trippy. They started doing some like experimental stuff at the end, which I was not I was not prepared for. I, I wasn't I wasn't getting that vibe from the movie, you know, everything that came before it. That was not where I was, you know, it's not where I would have anticipated this going. But I would say I highly recommend this movie. But like I said, don't go into it thinking, you know, like traditional horror, like traditional thing. Got it. But man, it's a, it's a good one. A little, you know, one of those little hidden gems on the Netflix. There. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. On the 4th, we have Wrong Place, Wrong Time. Looks like some kind of... Uh, Thriller, maybe an elite team of vigilantes plot to steal fourteen billion dollars. Whoa! Yeah, but they get double crossed. Nah. And they end up in the middle of nowhere with a f- mysterious family carrying an unsettling secret. Oh my goodness! It just keeps compounding. So it's like a crime thriller mixed with maybe like some kind of horror movie. I don't even know, man. I do know that they are in the wrong place at the wrong time. According to the title, we also have Cerebrum to make men's eat, m- men's eat, <laughs> <laughs> to make ends meet. Tom <laughs> signs on as a guinea pig at a home based lab. Okay, well, there's your first issue. Why would you sign on to be a guinea pig at a home based lab? That's that's a red flag right there. Mm-hmm. But when he commits a crime he can't remember, he must risk his own sanity to reveal the truth. Have mm-hmm. you backed up your brain, is the tagline. Can you? Well, maybe that's what they're working <laughs> on in their home-based lab. Uh, we also have Beast Beast. Three interwoven stories of youth navigating identity, first love, petty crime, and gun violence in a Southern American town. Danny uh, Madden. Yeah. Yep. Watch out. Uh I think that was at uh, Sundance. Uh, Painkiller is also coming out. This is uh, looks like a horror movie. We got Crappy Mother's Day. What? Get it? It's uh, instead of Happy Mother's Day, it's crappy. Uh, now, see okay. the the only thing I'm not sure about is: Are you wishing someone a Crappy Mother's Day? Like, are you saying have a Crappy Mother's Day? Because if so, that's a dick move. Mm-hmm. Or are you saying that you are a mother and you're having a Crappy Mother's Day? Yeah, but maybe that person's mother's trash. Mm. So, you know? Yeah, yeah so there's some hostility there. I, I see, I see. Uh, either way, this is uh, three generations of women attempt to celebrate Mother's Day, but things go sour from the start. There you go. That answers your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, on the 7th, Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. That's the documentary about Sesame Street. That's in theaters <laughs> right, right now, by the way. Looks good. I mean, if you're if you're into into that, usually those Sesame Street docs are pretty good. We've got Monster on Netflix. 
This is, uh, tells the story of Steve Harmon, a 17-year-old honor student whose world comes crashing down when he is charged with a felony murder. Okay. Looks uh, pretty intense. We got Emily at the Edge of Chaos. This is a virtual theatrical release. It's about Emily Levine's uh, live performance. This was like recorded before she died. Mm, okay. Not for me. We got Milestone on Netflix. This is a poignant film that follows the story of a recently bereaved middle-aged truck driver. Looks a little, a little heavy. We got Silo coming out. That's a virtual theatrical release. That's about a guy who gets stuck in a grain silo. Oh my god, could you fucking imagine? No. That'd be awful. No. I mean, apparently it's actually a really common thing, and it happens... Every year. It happens to people every year where they get stuck in grain silos. A lot of people drown in them, unfortunately. Yeah, which makes you think, like, someone's got to come up with something. Like, some sort of safety. Yeah. Like a like, button you know, or something that yeah, opens to do something. Gotta. You gotta save these people, because can you imagine dying in a grain silo? Drowning in corn? <laughs> you you drown in corn? Or grain, I guess. Any Any you kind of item? Whatever it is, it's awful. This and you're this, gonna drown this, in it. This specific movie is a corn silo. Fucking corn! Are you kidding me? Ugh. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got 15 things you didn't know about Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind. We talked about this like a week or two ago about awful titles. Uh, this is uh, it used to be called the Vice Guide to Bigfoot, but something happened. <laughs> something something happened with this, and I have a feeling. That if you watch this movie, that all of the mentions of Vice and everything will be scrubbed out. In fact, I'm kind of like curious to watch it to see if just if it, it is. It, I mean, it, it's not. It's actually not a bad movie. It is. It has some interesting. It, it takes some really interesting turns that you don't necessarily expect. There's there's more to it than just Bigfoot. Let's put it that way. Uh, we also have Initiation. This is a Saban Films releasing release. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Mm. Looks like there's like a murder involved, a spree of sinister social media messages sweeping the students during That's university's pledge week. Oh, too, just too many S's. I don't like that alliteration. <laughs> we have The Unthinkable. This is a uh, Swedish... Uh, Disaster movie. It looks like there's a. It's about like an alien invasion. Ooh. Oh, this is this comes at a great time because my dad is visiting this this it's week, big. and he loves. I've said it before. He loves disaster movies, so I think we'll be renting this one. Why? Why does it seem like parents love disaster movies? Because it seems like that's that's parents. That's a parent thing. Parents just love disaster movies. Well. I don't know what it is. Uh, also on the 7th, we have The Paper Tigers. This is one that I think both of us can definitely recommend. It's an action comedy. Hell yeah. Highly recommend that one. We have The Boy from Medine. This is on Amazon Prime. The rock doc, I believe. About some, mm. some singer. Uh, that looks like that's about it for VOD. Let's take a look at what we have on Blu-ray. This is on May 4th. We have Speed coming out in 4K. We've got The Black Cauldron from 1985. I kind of forgot about that movie. We have Big Fish coming out in 4K. 
the hot spot from 1990. Speed is also getting some kind of steelbook version. Kind of cool looking. I've got Judas and the Black Priest. Black Priest. Jesus Christ. Judas and the Black Messiah coming out. Got the Little Things. Uh, CB4, the movie from 1993. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I, I haven't seen that movie in so long. And the last time I saw it, it was when it was on TV. So I think I need to revisit that. Yeah. yeah. We have Vanilla Ice in Cool as Ice from 1991. I never right. saw that, but I have a morbid curiosity. Understandable. Sweet Liberty from 1986. Valiant from 2005. It's a animated movie. It looks like about pigeons. Maybe it's like they're carrier pigeons or something. Got MacGruber, uh, The Last Married Couple in America from 1980. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Hellfighters from 1968 starring John Wayne. The Virtuoso which came out on VOD this, this past week. A Ghost Waits. Arrow is putting that out. You saw that. You talked about that a couple weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah, like a it was alright. It was alright. Uh, looks like there's some kind of Ken Ken Burns documentary called Hemingway. Uh, FTA from 1971. That, that just got a remaster. Uh, Wages of Sin from 1966. Uh, For the Sake of Vicious. MC Escher. Journey to Infinity. And it looks like Dirty Dancing is getting a steelbook. What do we have on Criterion this week? We got one, and that's Trances. The Morocco movie from 1981. Kind of a concert movie like a, an experimental concert movie slash documentary type thing. Uh, this is actually, this was a part of, I think the first Martin Scorsese's world cinema project box set uh, that Criterion put out. Mm-hmm. And it's just now getting its own release with like a new, you know, new box art and stuff, mm-hmm. but the special features are pretty limited. Got it. Okay. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. We'd appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Hey.